This week's Torah portion contains some of the most well-known verses in the entire Torah. I'm guessing that you're probably familiar with the opening story of Vayetze, as Rabbi Beth alluded to earlier in our service. At the start of our Torah portion, we find Jacob, our patriarch, running from his home. At his mother Rachel's urging, he just stole his brother Esau's birthright and the blessing from their father Isaac. And in a fit of anger, frustration, and fury, his brother Esau has threatened to kill him. And so Jacob ran away. While on the run, as evening falls, Jacob finds a place to rest in the wilderness. He lays down on the ground with a rock as a pillow, and he falls asleep. When Jacob closes his eyes to sleep, he has a dream that opens his eyes to God. Jacob dreams of a sulam, a ladder, that is set on the ground with its top in the sky with Malachi Elohim Olim V'yordim, angels going up and down, up and down continuously, connecting the heavens and the earth. During this dream, God speaks to Jacob, saying, I am Adonai, your God and God of your fathers. I will give you the ground on which you lie to you and your offspring. Remember, I am with you. I will watch over you. Wherever you go, I will not leave you. After having this divine uh, vision, Jacob wakes up from his sleep, feeling overwhelmed by God's presence. And he exclaims, Achen yesh Adonai b'makom hazeh v'anochi lo yadati. Surely God is in this place, and I, I did not know. Yes, it's the title of one of our scholar Rabbi Larry Kushner's most famous books, but it is also one of my personal favorite passages in the Torah because I believe it is both so relatable and so profound. When you first read Jacob's exclamation, God was in this place and I, I did not know, it is not entirely clear which emotion he's expressing here. Some rabbinic interpreters suggest that he's expressing regret and embarrassment. If you knew God was about to give you a profound message, what would you do? My guess is that taking a nap on the ground is probably not so high on that list. And Rashi agrees with you, asserting that Jacob is wishing he had not slept because of embarrassment. Sforno adds to this interpretation of Jacob's regret, noting that Jacob is wishing that he had prepared for receiving such an important prophecy. Maybe he could have prayed, he could have ritually prepared himself in some way, it is clear that our rabbis teach us that Jacob wishes he had done something differently before receiving this divine vision. But another way to interpret Jacob's expression is one of wonder and of awe. God was in this place, and I, I did not know. It's something that I'm guessing most of us can relate to. While we may have faith in the idea of the divine, most of us aren't always sure where to look for God. You can't see God, you can't hear God. How are we supposed to find God or connect with divinity as we live our busy and ever-changing lives each day? Simply put, we can't because it's really hard. And yet, here is Jacob, our patriarch, actually acknowledging literally in our Torah that he didn't know where to look for God either that it was not until he paused and saw the world around him from a different perspective that he was able to connect with the divine. Here is Jacob expressing wonder and surprise as his eyes are open to God's existence, 
even where, when he wasn't sure where to look. God was in this place, and I, I did not know. Jacob's words are a reminder to us that encountering God and divinity with spirituality, or spirituality, whatever language speaks to you, can happen at any time and any place. Our job is to be like Jacob. Even if we may be blind to godliness at first, we must strive to acknowledge and appreciate moments of divinity and spirituality when we are able to encounter them. This is hard work in a world that is fast-paced and busy, where our sight lines are dominated by screens and the news and a million tasks accumulating on our to-do lists, when we find ourselves all too often without the time or the mental space to allow our minds to wander and simply to see the world around us. But if we are like Jacob, our task is to cultivate wonder, to allow ourselves to marvel at the miracles in our midst. In the book, God in Search of Man, rabbi and theologian Abraham Joshua Heschel writes, as civilization advances, the sense of wonder declines. Such decline is an alarming symptom of our state of mind. Mankind will not perish for want of information, but only for want of appreciation. The beginning of our happiness lies in the understanding that life without wonder is not worth living. What we lack is not a will to believe, but a will to wonder. Awareness of the divine begins with wonder. Wonder or radical amazement is therefore a prerequisite for an authentic awareness of all that is. In this week's Parsha, Jacob offers us a glimpse at how we can open our eyes to such wonder and radical amazement and find God in our world, just like he was able to, by changing our perspectives and our expectations. As I mentioned earlier, when Jacob falls asleep, he dreams of a ladder with which countless artists have depicted for us with angels, with wings going up and down. But if you look closely at the Hebrew, it's a bit strange. These angels are olim v'yordim. They are going up and then down, up and then down. Logically, based on what we've seen in art history, one might think this order is reversed. Why does it start with olim, with going up? These are angels. Don't they live in the heavens? Shouldn't they start by coming down from the heavens rather than going up from the earth? But in Hebrew, these angels are called malachei Elohim, messengers of God. As my colleague Rabbi Hannah Goldstein asserts, perhaps these Malachi messengers began by ascending the ladder because that's where they started, on earth, with us, not up in the heavens above as depicted in art history. Taking into account Heschel's notion that awareness of the divine begins with viewing the world around us with wonder, who better to remind us of God than the people around us? the ones who are closest to us and who actually are a part of our lives each and every day. Jacob's dream teaches us that maybe these messengers aren't mythical, magical beings. Maybe they're our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors. And maybe, if we allow them to, they can remind us of God's presence. If that's the case, maybe it means we should be looking for God's presence right here in the most mundane of places. Rabbi Dr. Eugene Borowitz taught, do not expect a full orchestra to sound when you meet God, 
you are expecting too much. God is more often encountered in the New York City subway. An act of kindness, a hug, a phone call, a song you love coming on the radio at just the right moment, the sun coming out after, the morning, after a morning of rain, storms and fog, a door held open at the grocery store, a meal catching up with a friend. Each of these small moments of goodness can be a messenger of God, a sweet reminder of the good in the world. If we look for God, God is always in this place, but we do not always allow ourselves to see it, but we must. My nine-and-a-half-month-old daughter is quickly becoming a voracious reader, or at least a very attentive, engaged book listener and looker. And one of my favorite books to read to her is A Good Thing Happened Today. Has anyone seen this book before? Yes, the families in the front have seen it. <laughs> it's by Michelle Figueroa, creator of the Good News Movement, a parallel of John Krasinski's pandemic Some Good News phenomenon. As I was writing my sermon this week, I found my mind wandering back to this children's book again and again. Between its colorful illustrations and rhythmic rhyming words, its message is simple, profound, and I believe rooted in the lesson that I hope we all take away from Jacob's encounter with God this week. So to close, I would like to share an, expert, an excerpt with you tonight. A good thing happened today. Hooray, did you hear? Good things are happening every day, everywhere. When you look a little closer, you will surely find the world is mighty and loving, and it is kind. There is goodness we can't touch, good that's not a thing. Good can be a moment or a melody to sing. There's no need to search far, close by there is good. In every backyard and in every neighborhood, Good things can happen inside your home, too, as loved ones softly whisper, good night, I love you. And where do good things come from? They always come from inside your heart. Always choose to be kind, because that's where good things start. As we transition to the close of our service, I'd like all of us to take a moment to ourselves and think back to the past week. What? were the moments of godliness that you encountered? Who were the small messengers of God that you met along your way? What good did you witness? What good did you spread? When you feel ready, please turn to someone near you and share a moment or two of godliness that you experienced this week. I believe that God is in this place, and I know that we can all see it together.